As you know, Sam, Devin, and I at The Catholic Gentleman love to discuss what it means to be a man who lives with virtue and how to grow in holiness in today's world. After launching The Catholic Gentleman Plus in June, we have seen an explosion of men going deeper into the topics of fasting, prayer, self-mastery, work, our Blessed Mother, and many others. We come out with new sessions each month, as well as an extended podcast each and every week. However, we have something special for you today. Today, we are going to release the entire episode of this week's podcast so you can experience it all, as well as get the ins and outs of this incredible and important topic. I hope you enjoy. A thank you to all of our Catholic Gentleman Plus members that make this possible. It is a joy to work for you. If you are interested in getting seven complete sessions on masculine living, seven ebooks, be a part of our guest expert series, as well as gain access to our monthly live Q&A, head over to Catholic Gentleman Plus. Now on to the show. If, if we're coming off as irreverent, that is not the goal here at all. We want to reverently approach this topic with respect for both sexes, but we want to also unveil what's underneath the hood so that men and women, men can help to understand themselves better. They can, and then women, they can help the women in their lives understand them better. Welcome to another episode of The Catholic Gentleman. We are blessed that you have decided to join us. We hope you get a lot of this episode. We are looking forward to talking about this subject, what women don't understand about men, something that we've all experienced personally in our lives, and hopefully you guys get a little bit of um, knowledge out of this and, and something that can help you grow in your relationship with the women in your life. We also get to talk to a listener today who has questions about Advent, Christmas, and Saint Feast Day traditions, and what we do to practice those. So this year, we have got uh, Christmas Eve followed by Christmas Day on a Sunday. And that means for our listeners that you have to go to two masses in one day if you are going to a Christmas Eve mass, which is great, right? Unless you're 11 years old or something, in which case um, um, there's uh, there's a bit of a frustration. Sam, have you uh, discerned what your family's going to be doing? Yeah, well, we're going to be we're going to um, going early on Christmas Day, or I mean Christmas Eve. And then we are, we always go to midnight mass. So we're going to go to midnight mass. So yes, it'll probably end up being two masses in one day, but uh, if, I've already heard some grumbling from the kids and I was like, you know, we had to have a little talk about that and but, you know, kids, kids are just uh, dreaming of uh, Christmas morning, I guess. But yeah. Um, but at any rate, yeah, it's, uh, we're, we're going to be going to midnight mass. It's funny when you sit down with your eight year old and you're trying to express to them the the miracle that they get to experience twice in one day and the joyous occasion <laughs> of, of Christ on, you know, Calvary represented to us in the mass that it just doesn't quite trump, you know, Christmas morning. Yeah. yeah they're, they're worried about the miracle of presence under the tree. <laughs> That's yeah. right. Yeah. That's right. How um, about you, Devin? What are you planning yeah, I'm on just, doing? I'm just doing the two for one, you know, like I'll just, no, I'm kidding. You know? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, we'll probably do the same thing. Something similar. We love Christmas Eve mass. Just love it. And that uh, we go to daily mass usually anyway. So it, it shouldn't be too big of a stretch. No, that's great. Yeah. 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 We'll be doing the Christmas Eve and our, sorry, Christmas Sunday morning and then fourth Sunday of Advent and then Christmas day mass. We, with a newborn, only five or six weeks old, he is, and a toddler. I guess the newborn's not the biggest issue. It's the toddler that uh, <laughs> that it really, when you push that midnight mass, that's something that um, only 
strong chivalrous men like Sam are willing to persevere and uh, <laughs> and accomplish. So, well, wonderful. Well, so I jumping into the uh, topic for today. Why is this so important for us men? Well, it is important because relationships is a pillar of being a Catholic gentleman. Uh, your relationships, how you're forming those relationships, how you're loving your neighbor, you know, as yourself is all a uh, principle of our lives and our faith as Catholic men. And as we've defined a pillar here at the Catholic Gentleman. And so this is really important, right? You've experienced this many times in your life, right? Where you speak something in innocence, and then all of a sudden, the woman that you are speaking to, and many cases, the wife, um, completely misunderstands what you are saying and interprets it very negatively, and you're shocked. And I can think of that meme that that we've all been seeing that's gone around that's like, uh, you know, a 10,000-page book, and it says, finally, you know, the book on what it means to be a woman has been written. And, uh, you know, <laughs> but in reverse, for, for women, there's some of that uh, to them as well, you know, struggling to figure out what men... Uh, understand why we think the way we think and what we do. And so if you have felt unfulfilled, if you felt constantly disrespected, if you felt that you're just, you know, talking over the women in your life and they're not understanding you, hopefully we get to go into that and we get to dialogue about that. And so a scripture verse before we get on to that first point is 1 Corinthians, for God is not the author of confusion, but of peace as in all churches of the saints. So we hope to bring clarity to this confusing issue and the relationship with those um, women in our lives. And so the first one that we want to talk about is the obvious one that comes up frequently, <laughs> and that is why men want to have sex all the time. And if you listen to our battling lust and sexual attraction, you, you'll get a lot of this. But I do think it is something that we men need to understand that women just will not understand. They are not biologically wired like we are. Men, we are biologically wired to procreate, right? It is something like the animals where they're looking for the most amount of opportunities but unlike the animals, we have the ability of self-control. We have the ability in the virtue of chastity and our relationship with God and sanctifying grace and all that is, is good and holy for our relationship with others. But we are still biologically wired like that. At the same time, we have testosterone, which can help us, you know, in our strength. We it can help us in our um in our life as men, but it also pushes us in that uh that sexual, you know, as we say, that, um, I guess, crassly, that uh, sex drive. And so this can be something that I know is also really hard for women to understand and hear even, because very often they're incognizant of this reality. Um, and that's not to say that women don't have this, that they don't experience this, but not to the degree that we do. There's a Ohio State 2019-2018 uh, study that came out where they were just interviewing, not interviewing, they were researching college men and at minimum, the lowest was they thought about sex 19 times a day. That was at the lowest. And at the maximum, it was, yeah, something like every seven minutes, if you like, you know, do the math throughout a waking period of your day. And so this is quite literally, even statistically, how often we men are thinking about this. And this can create tension in our relationships with those closest to us, you know, because we are called to uphold the dignity of every woman. But when we're thinking about this so much, 
I just say, right, chastity is, uh, you know, an all-out uh, warfare in our brain and in our minds on a daily basis. So I'd love to pivot to you, Devin, and, and get your thoughts on, on this reality that men are living in, in its relationship to how women will never fully be able to understand that, even if you've got an incredibly virtuous woman who's capable of appreciating that and trying to, to support you in this understanding. Yeah, I think that that study at Ohio State is really um, enlightening because it just shows the fundamental difference between men and women. A friend of mine, he was on the road for two weeks trying to get jobs. He was interviewing all over the nation, flying everywhere. He didn't actually go home. And all he could think about was getting back home and having intercourse with his wife, you know. Mm -hmm. And And when he arrived home and he made that advance towards his wife. His wife was like, so stressed out, kids, whatever, everything. So stressed out. She rejected him. And and he, they, it, a fight ensued. They began a huge argument. And he says, all I've been thinking about is you and, and intimacy with you for the last two weeks. And she goes, I haven't thought about that for the last two weeks. So mm. that's kind of that mm. that difference, you know, especially sometimes with married women who are under a lot of stress with a lot of children. But here's the here's what I think is really fundamental about this. If we get into the biology and the instinctive nature, the way that God has created and hardwired men and women, and I want to just make a caveat here, a qualifier is that this is sacred ground. And yeah. so we're going to use terms that may not sound sacred, but we're trying to achieve the sacred. Okay. So if if we're coming off as irreverent, that is not the goal here at all. We want to reverently approach this topic with respect for both sexes, but we want to also unveil what's underneath the hood so that men and women, men can help to understand themselves better. They can, And then women, they can help the women in their lives understand them better. So I think fundamentally, the first thing is that women naturally, biologically are hardwired for relationship. Their body is literally made to have another being in them. And that being in them from point zero on has a relationship with its mom. And so the mom relates to that baby through her breast and through the womb and all of that. So it's purely biological in that sense. But the biology tells us something. A woman just naturally, instinctively understands what it means to give. But men, and this is very important, men are very disconnected from this. Men do not have that built in to know what it means to give except other than planting their seed and in, in, yeah. in deriving some kind of pleasure about it. And it's almost a hundred percent, you know, men derive pleasure almost hundred percent of the time in sexual intercourse in that way. So men are kind of disconnected in a way from that instinctive nature towards self-gift. So sexual intimacy, <clears throat> and this is why I think God created us. One of the reasons besides procreation, God created us men with this way. So we could learn how to become more giving. We can learn self-gift. So sexual intimacy becomes the training ground for men to learn this because when we think about intercourse and sexual intimacy so much, that gives us opportunities to learn how to exercise our body, our will, our whatever it is, our virtue, everything for the sake of learning how to be a gift in this. And I, I would like to get to that in a minute, but I think at a fundamental level, when a boy <clears throat> discovers through puberty the sexual power in him, it's it is it is a way immediately he recognizes this differentiates me from a woman, but also he recognizes this is an important part of how I will relate to a woman. 
Okay. So sexuality is so important to a man, things like size and strength and endurance and performance and to give pleasure. And uh, they're so instinctively important because from puberty on, he gauges and interprets his masculinity by these things, because this is what differentiates him from a woman and helps him to relate or the way he thinks in a pinnacle way, he thinks is how he's going to relate to a woman. So this is a big deal to a young boy when he's coming into this. So mm. I, I would just like to stop there. That's where we, I think the fundamental kind of foundation here is the biology and the instinctive nature of why. And literally, and this is another point, it is almost automatic at an early age when it's activated and it comes at the most inopportune times. Okay. Yep. Uh, I mean, and I could tell stories about, yep. <laughs> but it happens at the most inopportune times. And women do not understand that for a man, we literally feel from the time we go through puberty on, we literally feel sexual desire in our brain and in our loins, and it can be activated like that. Yeah. Whereas a woman, it is not like that. And so it's very difficult for her to understand why, why is he all of a sudden turned on? You know, why all of a sudden is he sexually aroused? I don't understand that. It's because it's, there's, an, there's a bit of an automatic, it can be a bit of automatic nature, especially when we're young. So anyway, I yeah. just, I know it's a lot. No, I think that's excellent. I do have a lot of thoughts myself, but I want to make sure I want to actually hear from you, Sam. That's important. Um, what what are, what are your thoughts in relation to this? Yeah, well, I I think one important point, and and Devin kind of uh, laid the groundwork for this, but then women often think that men are just beasts. You know, like as long as he gets sex, like he mm. he doesn't care about emotions, he doesn't care about me. He doesn't have any like attraction to me. It's literally just, I'm just there and I could easily be exchanged for someone else. And that's actually not true. Um, they, they did a survey of like 450 men um, of all different states of life. And, and basically the consensus was only 3% of men have that man mindset. I don't care who it is. I just want sex, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and 97% of men wanted emotional connection. Men and but the way that men want emotional connection is different than the way women want emotional connection. Like for men, it's very much about being wanted. Like I want to be wanted by you. And so often men are like, um, it's very much tied to your sense of self. Well, like most men are not going to enjoy sex if the woman is just laying there like completely uninterested you know, zero response, like no man's going to be excited by that. I mean, I mean, you'd have to be pretty kind of warped mentally to be excited by that. You know, like men want women to want them. And so they pursue and they like initiate and things like that. And, and for a man, it can be extremely deflating if a woman shows no interest. And of course, again, like this is not the way women think, right? So the woman's just thinking, it's not, of course I want you. I love you. I care about you. All of these things. <laughs> I'm just really, really busy doing the dishes and the laundry and like changing diapers and things. And I'm just, I'm just not there mentally, but for the man, like her saying no, even though it might have nothing to do with you as a person feels like she's rejecting me. I'm not enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. She doesn't see me that way. That's crushing to me. Um, So it is emotional for men, but it's very much tied to that sense of self. And why is this? You know, you look at sometimes it's helpful to look at the animal kingdom because we're we're part animal, right? Like we're part yeah. rational. Uh, we have that spiritual higher nature, but we also have that that animal body, right? 
And uh, in the animal kingdom, like, again, like Devin was kind of touching on, it's all about that competitive drive. You see, like, you know, I was a member being in Rocky Mountain National Park and seeing these elk competing for this female and these male elk were just like clashing and like, Basically, the mindset is like the the strongest wins the the girl or right? the, the female, and like uh, and there's this competitive uh, nature that goes back to again like size and strength and performance and all of these things that's very much hardwired into a man's nature. And women just don't get this, but that that is how men are. Um, and so you know when you feel unwanted, it's like a huge wound to a man. Um, and of course, the woman may have perfectly legitimate reasons for not being interested in sex in that moment, but it's still understand that to your husband that hurts. And, and that doesn't mean you have to appease every time. There may be legitimate reasons for not having sex in that moment, but also know that you, the, your man is really going to need affirmation in that moment emotionally. You know, it may be physical touch in other ways, but the ways that let him know that he's still wanted, that you still care about him. And it's a very physical thing for men, right? Um, so so just know that he, maybe he needs a hug, you know, or whatever. Like, he needs to know that you still care about him and that you still want him physically in some way. Um, and and it's just very much hardwired into men's yeah. natures. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. And I want to go back a little bit to something you were saying, Devin, about boyhood and when this comes upon man and our young men, right, boys. Um, it th- this does play out later in life, and I think that we uh, ignore that or we're not fully aware of that. But it is something that um, that can help women in our lives to understand is these sort of situations. Like when it comes on, I remember there was nothing else in my life personally that ever felt like I had less control over. And I was a a young boy who was the top at everything I tried. And I had no control over this. And it was infuriating. It was, it's like that strong in my psyche and in my person. Right. Um, and, and that's what we, that's how we develop. And, and so then when we have to learn to harness this power we have to harness this sort of struggle and and this sort of uh temptations and and just um part of ourselves over the course of a decade or decades right that can play out in all sorts of different ways for each man and we're working against that as well in a way we are working against you know kind of the failed part of ourselves and our past and i think that's really important for um us men to understand is that women won't understand that, right? But we can we can um, better relate to them if we are uh, more patient in in these situations. And and I'm not trying to say that there's nothing on women to to help us through this. But we're talking to men here on this episode. You know, women aren't the primary people listening to this episode. We're talking to men, but it's good to be aware that in our relationship with the women in our lives, this is something that they won't understand because they never experienced it themselves growing up. They never experienced that that historical aspect in addition to the current, you know, lived experience that you're having. And so I appreciate you mentioning that, Devin, because I do think in this gender dysphoria society uh, that we have, that that's something that has always, like, struck me as, like, 
at the age of 40, you can't, a man or a girl can't decide that she wants to be a man. She is going to lag <laughs> that 40 years of, of struggle. That, that is a very real biological part of our existence. And, um, and it's something that we can't ignore or, or just pretend it's not there and doesn't, um, you know, doesn't, uh, doesn't matter. So, yeah. And if I could just say one <laughs> other quick thing about that, like, while obviously sex drive, our sex drive can get us into trouble, both with our spouse and in other ways, just, I want to be careful that we're not shaming men's sexual desire. In fact, we're trying to affirm that. Yes. We're trying to affirm that this is actually part of what it means to be a man. God made us that way. Yes. And yes, we have to learn to harness it, channel it, discipline it, aim it in the right direction, because it can be very destructive if it's disordered and indulged in every possible way. Like it can mean hugely destructive, but in and of itself, it is not sinful. And I just want men to know that, that like, oh my goodness, you know, like I was a teenage boy and I was just, you know, constantly like, you know, engaged in sexual sins and things like that. And, you know, maybe in college I have this sexual past and stuff, you know, God can redeem all those wounds, but also know that like your sex drive in and of itself is not wrong. It is not shameful. It's not something that you have to like, you know, just be disgusted with yourself all the time and like, you know, what a wretch I am or uh, you know, it, it's not, it's not about that. So I just want you to know, like, it is good. It is a good part of being a man. Just learn to harness it, you know, and, yeah. and learn to channel it in the right order. If I could, Sam, I, I'm glad, grateful for you mentioning that. You just kind of make this assumption that they've listened to, to our previous episodes, but that's a wrong assumption. And so if you haven't, uh, check back at that um Lost Sin and How to Win episode that we did, where we go in a little bit more in depth. And if you feel like it's not quite enough and you just want to hear more about it, I'm happy to give you a free month of Catholic Gentleman Plus so that you can jump in there. Head over to podcast or email me at podcast at catholicgentleman.com because it is so important, Sam. So I really appreciate you mentioning that, that, that you know, our sexual attraction is from God and it is something good. And it, we're not looking at about getting rid of that, right? We're not trying to remove that aspect from our lives. We are just trying to learn virtuously how to harness that for the good. That's very good. We're not trying to remove it. We want to redeem it. You know, mm -hmm. God can redeem it and we don't want it removed. We want redeemed. And this is very important. I want to just ramp it up. Just, yes, God designed us this way. Yes, this is good. But Let's just take it one step further. God gave us this as an authentic need, not a want, not even a perverted want. I think there's a misconception with a lot of women that, oh, he's just always thinking about sex. He's so perverted, you know, or that's always on his mind. You know, he's so base. No, this is a God-given authentic need, okay, that he's instilled in the heart of a man. Just like in a woman, he's instilled God-given authentic need for emotional intimacy and security and love. Now, this is the key. Why did God design us this way? Why didn't he just design both of us to where, you know, the female and the male, where we were either just wanted physical intimacy all the time, or both of us just want emotional intimacy all the time? Because complementarity leads to communion mm -hmm. and sameness doesn't. And, and so, the fact that the man has this incredible desire to be sexually intimate with his wife, the fact that a woman desires to be emotionally intimate and secure in his love, that demands that the two of them learn how to harness their need, 
mm. express their need. And this is the key. This is why marriages fail or succeed. It's all about expressing needs. Communication leads to communion. But what are you communicating? <clears throat> it's essential that you communicate your need. So as a man, one of your authentic God-given needs, and we'll be talking about this a couple more here in a minute, is physical intimacy. So it's important that you find the right language and the right disposition, the right way to communicate this need to your wife without nagging at her or belittling her or condemning her for not having intercourse with you or guilting her because she's such a sinner, because she's you know not paying the marriage debt, et cetera, et cetera. No, it's about expressing your need, discussing it. And then the two of you come to the center 100, 100% trying to address the other needs. And there's something very important here. Sex is not just something like an object that's on the table. I want yeah. it from you. Mm. No, no, I want you. I want sexual intimacy with you because I desire you. You know, and I I think that this is the if it isn't the greatest area, I want someone to tell me what the greatest area is, but I think this is the area of greatest opportunity for us men to grow in virtue because we're nearly constantly tempted every day throughout the day with temptations toward lust and, you know, adultery in the heart and all this stuff. But why? Because this is the key. In marriage, you learn through this sexual desire how to truly be a gift through engaging and abstinence. And engaging, I mean, you learn how to love disinterestedly, tenderly, reverently. You know, you, you're just loving her in a way to bring about emotional intimacy to her, to hopefully give her pleasure not just a release for yourself and also abstain because by abstaining, you're showing you're worth everything. I'm willing to sacrifice myself in the downtime for you, not just so I can get something later, but for you. So it's by engaging and abstaining that the man learns how to be a gift. And this is why God designed us this way, because we need to learn how to be a gift. It's not just all about me. Hey, this is what I want. And it's not just about her. You're not gonna give me what I want because you're shutting down. No, it's a both and of expressing these needs, communicating these needs, and that communication will lead to communion by, and here's the other point. We can never fulfill our spouse's needs. Yeah. Only God can, but we can address the need. And by addressing the need intentionally, consistently, the spouse says, he loves me, she loves me, I feel wanted, I feel needed. And that's when a marriage takes off. Yeah. yeah. What's, what's in the way is the way. You know, resistance yeah. produces strength <laughs> if you allow it to. Love it. Um, yeah. You know, or you can make you, you know, it's like problems can make you bitter or better, you know, and like, mm -hmm. if you look at most marriages, there's going to be tension, there's going to be friction because of how different men and women are. And you can use that to become, you know, a bickering, bitter old couple that just, you know, barely tolerates each other, hates each other. Even if you stay married, your, your marriage is just uh, toxic. I, I remember meeting an old couple like that, you know, they were in their 80s. And everything was an argument, everything. And like, I just couldn't wait to get away from them, you know, and like, or you can be, allow that friction, just like working out in the gym, right? Like it's resistance, but it's creating strength. And like, the more that friction arises, it shows you those areas where you need to grow together, where you need to learn to understand each other, where you need to come out of your own perspective and understand where your spouse is coming from. And allow allow that resistance uh, to bring you closer together. 
like two pieces of iron being welded together, you know, through that heat and friction, like that, what that's what your marriage can be. If you embrace these difficulties and these challenges. Yeah. yeah it, it's like two magnets. Have you ever taken two large magnets and you're like getting them close to each other and there's like this tension, boom, you know, they like slam against each other. That's, that's the way it is in marriage. You know, you, you, you have this attraction, which is the magnetic, you know, the magnetic pulse there, but then it just gets overwhelming and boom, we combat, we hit. And so it's important that we learn how to manage that attraction and communicate, communicate our needs amidst that attraction. Sexual difference matters. Sexual attraction matters. That difference is fundamental and we need it and we need to laud it because that's how we image God. God is distinction, unity, fruitfulness. God creates us distinct, male, female, unity, fruitfulness. He desires us to image him in this, but it's important that we men, and this is very hard for men, we learn. So on the on a female's part who doesn't really have the sex drive that a man does, her husband does, she has to learn how to be a gift in this, right? Yeah, she has to learn how to and sacrifice. Then, mm-hmm. Yeah, and then he has to also learn to sacrifice in the times that she's not really ready. Exactly. And it's and that's where the dance of love comes in because when both of them see that the other is sacrificing, they're more willing to sacrifice and give them themselves. It's the demanding, I demand this from you. That's object. That's objectifying. That what is this thing that you're talking about? You know, that's when the marriage begins to crumble. Yeah. Yeah, it really does. And I appreciate that a lot. I don't can't add much more and and uh, to this subject matter, but it is an incredibly important for husbands and wives to have these conversations, right? Something that you were saying, Devin, that um, I guess I had never put the two together, right? But you hear all the spiritual fathers and and the wise teachers talk about the importance of fasting to overcome sexual lust and sexual, you know, mm. addictions or temptations and fasting. And why is fasting so important? Well, we've done many episodes on fasting, but one of the reasons is is because it's something you experience every single day, that urge to eat, that urge for hunger, in a very Mm. unique way that I've never really connected the two until you just mentioned that, is that men, at minimum, think about this 19 times a day, right? There is that, and it's not sinful, right? These thoughts are are out of our control, and they're not sinful. It's how we respond to them, right? And so... It makes sense that learning how to control uh, a natural physical urge and desire that we have for eating can have a cross benefit to learning to control or redirect this beautiful power within us, you know, and I... um I just think that's such a great thing to to reflect yeah. on and, and adds another layer of of union between fasting and the sort of, you know, sexual attraction and and steering it correctly. Yeah, Devin. Yeah, I love the pun, cross-benefit. You know, I mean, it is a benefit that comes from the cross. Um, but but St. Thomas Aquinas speaks to what you just said. And he says that um, this t- virtue in this area is a lot like when you have two um, people engaging in a, in a war or maybe in a match, a competitive match. He says, the one you want to win, you feed. The one yeah. you want to lose, you starve. Mm-hmm. You know, and so you feed your resources to your virtue, you know, but that's where the fasting comes in is you, you starve the flesh in a sense, not, you know, I mean, but you, right. you don't want that to win. So it is through that fasting and that mortification that we're saying, I want virtue to win 
And it's interesting too, that if you can get self-control and guys, listen to me on this. If you can get self-control in your flesh, in eating and drinking and these things, maybe even exercise, you're going to have way more control in the bedroom, you know, mm-hmm. in the way, in the way that you react and act. And, and that's where you can become, you know, yes, a better emotional lover and physical lover because you're loving tenderly without being so aggressive. But John Paul II said in his theology body that the, the man's sexual curve is more violent and more aggressive because we want to, we have, once we're aroused, and this is another thing that women might not understand, maybe they do, but once we're aroused, it's like, ding, we've got to get it done. We got to go to the end. We we have to finish this. You know, that's kind of the mentality is, yeah. is we, we are solution oriented. We love to achieve. We love to complete. And so once that's why women don't, they say, well, why, why can't you just hug me? You know? And then, and then the guy's like, you know, and the hugging is, you know, getting a little more intimate. And then, you know, (laughs) it's like, we're going to the next level. He can hug you. He should hug you. And he should be able to restrain himself, all that. But I'm just saying that that's physically why, boom, his body's going toward complete this act, you know? Whereas a woman, there isn't that part where, okay, I have to complete this act. Mm -hmm. The act is completed in relationship. Oh, I feel, I feel loved. I feel secure. Yeah, I think it's a it is an important point, and I think um, even even the way that you know I, women experience pleasure in a, is different than men, and it's more mental than it is physical. I mean, there's obviously a physical component, but it's like much much more psychological than it is for men. Uh, where men is much more straightforward, and again, this is a this is a point of friction where it's like you have to come out of yourself. In order for that to be a genuinely intimate experience, a genuinely fulfilling experience for both of you, men are going to have to learn, you know, to take their time and like, you know, and it's it's not going to be the same as, as straightforward as it is for men. Um, so, again, allow that friction to call you out of yourself. But I, I want to mention real quick here, and we're going to put the article in the show notes because it's a little bit longer than I want to read here. But it's funny because J.R.R. Tolkien, right? Brilliant writer, Catholic genius. Um, it was wrote a letter to his son that I think really highlights this point. And when I posted it on our blogs a couple of years ago, scandalized some of our women readers because, again, yeah. it just highlights the difference between men and women. But essentially in this letter, he's writing to his son and he's just being straightforward. You know, he probably never imagined this would be shared publicly. So I'm sorry, Tolkien, but (laughs) what you say is actually really helpful. Um, Um, But basically he goes so far as to say, like, you know, biologically, men are not monogamous. Like, that's just not how we're wired. And so I just want to read this because I think it's really important. He said, for Christian men, there is no escape. Marriage may help to sanctify and direct its proper object, his sexual desires. Its grace may even help him in the struggle, but the struggle remains. It will not satisfy him as hunger may be kept off by regular meals. There's that food analogy again. It will offer as many difficulties to the purity proper to that state as it provides easements. No man, however truly he loved his betrothed and bride as young man, has lived faithful to her as a wife in mind and body without a deliberate conscious exercise of the will without self-denial too few are told that even those brought up in the church those outside seldom seem to have heard it but anyway he goes on to say it has to be deliberate 
if you just leave nature to nature, men are not naturally monogamous. Like, yeah. you know, and, and so it is an incredibly virtuous, but it must be intentional. It must be intentional. You have to commit as a man that these, this is what's important to me. These are my values. This is my goal. This is my ideal. And I'm going to live according to it, no matter how much suffering comes along with that. That's part of picking up your cross and following Christ. And the grace will be given, but you have to commit. You have to commit that it's going to be hard. And we need to be talking to our young men about this, you know, because there's all kinds of sexual disorders in this world, you know, from pornography to college campuses are like toxic places for sexuality and things. But we need to tell our young men, it's going to be hard. I'm not here to tell you that virtue is going to be easy. The living pure is going to be easy. In fact, um, the mm-hmm. Desert Fathers had this idea of a white martyrdom. You know, where they call yeah. it like chastity is like a martyrdom in some sense, where it's like you got to die to yourself. You have it to. Is. Yeah. Um, and if you don't, like you're, 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 it's a powerful drive, right? And it's it can out overpower you. It can overwhelm your reason. You can even naturally know like, well, this is what I believe. This is what the faith teaches and things like that. And all of that can fly out the window in an instant if you're not on guard and everything. And so just know that it's going to be hard. It's going to require like struggle. And, and, you know, like in the East, they call it like blood and struggle. What they mean is like effort, like radical effort of the will and again, women don't understand this because it's just not how they think. But for a man, I think it's just important to just get it out there in the open. So check out this Tolkien article. He says more things to his son, but I think it's really, really good stuff. Just man to man that he was speaking to his son like on this topic. Yeah, it's so good, Sam. And I think that for our um, uh, male listeners, can you imagine not having the truths that we're talking about or the awareness that we are talking about here that the Catholic Church provides? you see what we have in the world today, right? And that's just it. Promiscuity, right? Abuse of women, lust all over, you know, adultery, not only within the heart, but also publicly um, and and championed as virtue because people don't want to uh, be told that what they're doing is wrong. But the point I'm getting at here is that without the authentic teachings of the church and of Christ, um, you know, through scripture, we we would fall into that just by our our nature, by how we're wired. And women, maybe listening to this, the next time you read Samson and Delilah or David and Bathsheba, you have a deeper understanding of what was going on there. And I, I think about Samson and it humors me when I read it, right? Because there was his his previous wife that, um, you know, caused all, all mess and, you know, tying up tales of foxes and, you know, burning and killing, you know, dozens and dozens of men. And then you have Delilah where she tries, it's like three times, right, failed. And then on the fourth time she's able to, but that's that's three times he fell, right? Because of this, uh, this attraction, because of this within him. And then same thing with David and Bathsheba, you know, David looking down and, and seeing from the rooftop and then trying to hide the child um, that was being born of the two. And then, you know, trying to get Uriah to, you know, be intimate with his wife. So then he'd be off the hook. And then all of a sudden, just basically killing Uriah, um, you know, these sort of things, that's what we are fighting with on a regular basis. And so I just want to finish with, um, before moving on to our, our next point is that communication does 
breed and does breed does bring communion um, <laughs> among among the among the spouses, and it's so important uh, to to not forget that. So we have to communicate about this, not in the heat of frustrations and struggles, you know, in difficulties in the moment, but be wise. And when you, when you bring this up and how you dialogue about this, uh, with your spouse and then all the other spiritual disciplines that we go into to make sure that, um, this is something that you can steer rightly in your life, which is in the end, what we're called to do, be a man, be a saint. So, um, Devin, I'd like to move on to the second one. Um, that was such a good conversation, though. And I know we could all talk Gosh, more about it. Absolutely. I know I just dropped some spiritual ones in there, too, and scripture. But that being said, let's let's move forward. And another thing that women don't understand about men, and we've talked about it uh, on this show, is basically how men receive love. And so, Devin, I'd like you to lead this one on just um, on on how men yearn for uh, respect and and what that means yeah. to the life of a man. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about this before, but you know, research shows that men equate love with respect. Women do not. Um, they want to be respected, but love is the the hierarchy. You know, love then respect. With men, it's respect equals love, and in fact, men would oftentimes rather have respect. And back to that whole rejection thing with the physical intimacy, when we're rejected in physical intimacy, we feel disrespected because yeah. like Sam, you were saying, this is a deep part of us, even from boyhood, is that what is it? We connect our sexuality with our masculinity. So what we're really hearing from her receiving is what's communicated, we think is she doesn't think I'm a man. And so then we feel disrespected in that act. Now, why is all this? So I, from an early very early age, who does the boy look up to? The boy thinks that regardless if he's got a good dad, bad dad, deadbeat dad, three years old, four years old, five years old, seven years old, that boy thinks that the strongest and the greatest man in his life is his dad. And that's hardwired into us. God designed it that way. And so a son looks to his dad for approval, for validation and affirmation. And so he wants to be respected by the one he respects the most. So if a son receives, you know, from his father approval and affirmation and maybe even a little discipline and correction and encouragement, that approval allows him to respect himself. And, and not only does he respect his father, but he gains in a sense that respect from the one he respects the most. Mm. Okay. And this is all God's designed it this way because this is a reflection of the divine relationship, the filial relationship between God and us. God wants us to look to him in a sense, not to man for approval. And then we rise up and he says, well done, my good and faithful servant through Jesus Christ. But when a boy does not receive this affirmation, this discipline, this encouragement, whatever, he suffers from inferiority complexes, insecurity, and then he kind of goes into himself and becomes very selfish. Now, men just want to be the go-to man. We want to be dependable. But, and I think this is, this for the women who would be listening to this, and for the men, this is very important. What this means is fundamentally, a woman cannot fulfill this need for a man, okay? Because it's rooted in sonship. But what she can do is she can reinforce it. She can cultivate respect. She can increase belief in himself for his self-respect by upholding him and not nagging at him and beating him down and telling him he's a loser or, you know, being dissatisfied or whatever it is, you know, disappointed in him. 
she is at the service of God. She is the Ezer Kenegdo in a sense in the Hebrew, which means that helpmate, which is the mirror of the self as the right hand is to the left. So when she, if she disrespects him, she disrespects herself because as she upholds him and elevates him at the service of God, he's going to elevate her. He's going to honor her. So honor is so important in marriage. And when a man is honored by his wife, it gives him this confidence and this security. But more fundamentally, he's got to find that in his relationship with God. And I don't want to throw this off track, say, women, we're off, you're off the hook because, you know, oh, it's between him and God and his relationship. No, you support that. You cultivate that. You increase that. Yeah, absolutely. Sam. Yeah, I th- I, I, everything you're saying makes makes total sense, and I think that for men, it's important. It's important for for men and women to understand that men's thinking is often hierarchical. Women's is more egalitarian uh, or flattened out, or perhaps more like circular. Uh, but men think like a pyramid, you know, like who's on top, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, and perhaps some of that can be taken to an extreme and become unhealthy, but it's also just natural to men to think in this way. Um, even the word respect mm. um, comes from the the Latin respectare, which means to see again or like to pay attention to. Yeah. So you think about like you're, you're walking down the street and you see like this guy who's just like ripped or something. And like you walk first, you walk past him and then you double take like, Whoa, that dude is like, he's got something going on there. That's, that's impressive. You know, and like every guy kind of wants this sense of like, I want to be seen. Like I want my prowess to be noticed, you know, and um, that can take all different manifestations for some guys. That's very like intellectual. I want everyone to know how smart I am. Yeah. You know, and I'm going to like win on the chessboard. Or I'm going to get like, I'm going to get, you know, scholarship to MIT or like, you know, something like that. Although MIT's embroiled in scandal. So, you know, but anyway, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, I want to get, I want to get, you know, the top of the heap academically. But for other guys, you know, that is a very physical thing. Like I want to win on the football field. Yeah. You know, I want to be the, the biggest guy in the gym. Um, but you know, I think there's, there's a healthy respect too, of just, I want to be a man of integrity. Like I want to be a man that other people can rely on. I want to respect myself in that way where it's like, I know I'm someone who follows through on my commitments. I'm a man of my word, you know? And so I think that's like a deeper, healthier level of respect. Um, but the point being like, you want to be noticed, like when people think of you, they think good things, you know, in fact, maybe perhaps they're impressed with you. Like that's kind of like men's natural mindset. So again, it's just like this hierarchical thing that kind of goes back to our biological nature um, of like the bigger, the stronger you are, the more sexually attractive you are. And like, you know, you, uh, you'll have more options as a, you know, and, and that's like the lower level, the biological level. But as we kind of baptize that, that lower level drive of the biggest and the strongest, into a higher dimension to the higher order of the realm of a supernatural, um, then it becomes more about other priorities. Again, like integrity, holiness, uh, sanctity, things that um, can often be very quiet, like St. Joseph, but are nonetheless just as powerful and just as strong. 
but they're kind of sublimated into something higher um, as we kind of ascend that uh, on a spiritual path, like whereas we climb that ladder, spiritually speaking, like that, that, that drive for respect takes on a newer, higher dimension. Um, but at yeah. a natural level, like it is just about competition. It's about being yeah. the winner. Yeah, agreed. And I think that we're coming back to this always that, you know, this un, um, understanding that grace perfects nature, but we, again, we're not removing our nature. This is a part of us that can be harnessed for the good. This is a part of us that can be harnessed to um, provide for our family, take care of um, those who are vulnerable and, and you know, close to us because we are moving ourselves into that higher order. Yes, maybe the pursuit is, is, is respect, but it can be used uh, for the good. And I think that I just, hearing you guys both talk, feel so blessed that my wife has done this for me, you know, so frequently. She's, she's so good at, at um, basically supporting. And, you know, again, she can't, she can't make up for that. Like she can't fulfill that completely within me, but, but she does uh, such a great job. So I, I feel so blessed and, and, you know, just, just mentioned that, but at the same time, it's helpful for, yeah, Sam. I, I was just gonna say real quick, real quick. Yeah. Um, I think it's so important what you just said, like your wife building you up because women be careful. Like if you start to disrespect your man, yeah. it's the very thing that drives him to want to protect you. We've talked before on other uh, episodes about how women want to feel safe. And I think that is very true. Like women have a lot, like are, they're just naturally wired into higher anxiety levels and women want to feel safe and cared for, but also realize that your men's drive for respect is the very thing that makes him want to make you feel safe. That makes him want to provide and protect you. Um, so just know that if you start undermining that, you start eroding that and disrespecting him, it's just going to destroy the very security that you crave. Um, so it's a dangerous game to start criticizing and tearing down your man. Uh, and yeah. so just know that. Anyway, I'll, sorry, John. No, no, no. No, I agree. And actually, uh, I was, we said nagging earlier um, uh, for men to their, to their wives, but at the same time, uh, for women, just women in general, but also in particular wives, you're exactly right. They can be quite harsh or critical of the way that we um, act in certain situations or in in that which we prioritize in our lives. Or, you know, for the completion of a task, there's that uh, guy on YouTube, right, that's, you know, basically the something, you know, always almost done, right? Is, you know, is some of these at-home tasks, right? Because they're not, they're not a priority, right? Um, that being said, when the wife is constantly critical or criticizing or um, nagging or harsh, it does. It just erodes that trust. It erodes that relationship and that man's desire to protect. And so he's going to start looking for respect elsewhere. Now, um, He's going to look for it in in his work. He's going to look for it in his friends. He's going to look for it in other relationships. Now, this is not uh, justifying men to do anything sinful or to move in the other direction. And for men who are listening, right, because this is for you, it's important to know this about ourselves. I agree. When I first started learning about my desire for respect, it all started making sense. But then I had to fill that with the understanding that my identity is falsely placed, right? Because as we said in a different episode, the man who seeks respect in other individuals will never gain that respect, right? Because he is placing his trust, he's placing his identity 
in something that can never fulfill his essence, right? Which only God can. And so we have to redirect our thinking to our identity as sons of God, going back to what, Devin, you were saying um, earlier, to, to fully achieve and receive this respect. But again, because grace perfects nature, it is in our nature. That's not going to go away, you know, and we can harness it for the good, for becoming a better man, for doing things better the next time, for working a little bit harder for those that we love and that we are here to support and we're looking to take care of. And so I think it's it's all good. And again, it's this love, it's this um, communion of, of give and take and love in this relationship that, um, that we're trying to better understand and better perfect so that we can all become the man and or woman that God has created us to be. Yeah, I, I just think it's so important that women understand that this need for respect, again, is a God-given need. He's placed it in our hearts. That's why the idea of the son to the father is so important, because from the day he's born, that's a part of his life. And so respect literally sets the trajectory of his life. If he's respected, he will become confident, self-assured. He will not be a bicker or, you know, he, he, you know, trying to take other people down because he's confident. If he's not, his trajectory of his life is going to go south. And, and this is important. If you want to get inside the male brain just a little bit, ladies, when you disrespect your husband, it's the equivalent of being at war because he's a competitor. And so mm. When a man is disrespected, boom, he's like inside of him. And that's why that's why good men or men who are trying actually withdraw because they don't want to go to war. They don't mm. want to do something stupid. So they kind of withdraw or abdicate because they're like, okay, fine, fine, because they don't want to go to war. But this is like back to your point, to disrespect a man, a husband, I mean, I'm just saying a guy who's actually trying and he's he's trying to be yes. virtuous and faithful, not not a bum, not a not a guy who doesn't care about his wife. It's like throwing a boomerang and and that boomerang comes back and hits you in the face mm -hmm. because you you think you're you're throwing something out at him to bring him down a notch or two, but it only takes you down with him mm -hmm. because it destroys the marriage and the family. So don't wow. throw the boomerang. Don't throw the boomerang because you're going to need to get your face worked on it. <laughs> you know, I'm just kidding, but you know, <laughs> yeah. don't throw the boomerang because it's going to destroy your marriage. You know, it, it's going to destroy everything. So what a powerful build up. Yeah. Yeah. What a powerful time. statement. Yeah. I think that, I think that's so great. And I do, I want to say that the reverse is true though, for, for men and for women, right? When men are feeling respected, confidence just um, spreads out to all other yes. aspects of their life. It, they feel like they can accomplish uh, any task that's set before them. They feel like they're in control of overcoming addictions, that they're in control uh, you know, or, or bad habits, let's just say that. They feel like they're in control of, of taking their lives to the next level, both spiritually and physically um, and in, in relationally with other people. And so, this is exactly yeah. what Satan wants to avoid. He doesn't want that to happen. He doesn't want a man's confidence uh, within a relationship to all of a sudden uh, spread out to the other aspects of his life and make him feel like that God has indeed, you know, is there to support him and, and, and guide him. And, you know, that accomplishment can be realized uh, if you put forth just a little bit more effort. Satan doesn't want that. And so I do, I, 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 I guess I like to always come back to this, that the reverse of that is true because we get that a lot going back to that first thing that women don't understand about men is that 
you know, the man has to constantly nag. But at the same time, if you're both building each other up, if you both understand this about each other, you don't have to. No. It, 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 exactly. Right. It just, and the same thing with respect here, it just builds up as much as it tears down in, in, you know, union with each other. It also builds up within union with each other as God has designed it to go. And so let's build each other up. So beautiful. And yes. on that note, like women just uh, who might be listening to this, just understand the power you have uh, <laughs> in a man's life. You are, if you're married to him, you are the closest relationship in his life. Um, and, and, and there's a, a big chance, like, again, unless your marriage is just in shambles, there's a big chance that he really, really cares how you perceive him and what you think of him. Um, and everything can be going great at work. You know, maybe he's crushing it at work, meeting all his his goals and quotas or whatever, whatever it is. But if you if you have contempt for him, that's just gutting. That's just gutting. And, and none none of that work stuff. As much as men retreat into that, sometimes none of that matters. As much as coming home to a woman who admires you, loves you, respects you, wants you, like. The, any man who has that, I don't care how rich or poor he is, he's going to be on top of the world. And he'll feel yes. like he can tackle any challenge as long as that woman's in his corner. Yeah. But on the other hand, on the flip side, like know that you have the power to really destroy your man emotionally. And, and you know, <laughs> it, you can really take him down instantly, you know, with a cutting comment or with an act of you know, just contempt, you know, and like, again, everything can go, everything else in his life can be going great. But if you are say you're nothing to me, like yeah. he's instantly just gutted. He's just destroyed by that. That's yeah. right. And, and this all proves the point, what you both have just been saying, why God through St. Paul divinely inspired the passage, wives respect your husbands. Mm. Because why? He's going to he's going to sacrifice more. He's going to be more attentive to listening to you. He's going to enjoy your company more. He's going to serve you. He's going to be more confident. He's he's not going to feed the flesh for validation. He's going to love you purely. He's he's going to you and him together will inspire your kids to want marriage. I mean, it's like yeah. okay, it's awesome. Wives respect your husbands. Okay? So, yeah. I think that's why the command is there, you know? Men, do you find yourself addicted to social media and attached to your phone? Do you find yourself struggling with an addiction to sugar or alcohol and something that you've been trying to stop, but you just can't? Maybe it's not an everyday thing, but it's frequently. And at the same time, you find yourself struggling in prayer and not really knowing the right way to go. We have all found ourselves in these situations. And today, our sponsor for this episode would like to provide you a solution. The solution is prayer, fasting, and brotherhood. Three traditional pillars that have uh, accompanied holy men and women throughout the church's life. Uh, this practice of asceticism. And really, it comes down to freeing ourselves from slavery. This is where the idea of Exodus 90 comes from. The Jewish people were enslaved by the Egyptians, and they had to exodus. They had to leave that land of slavery in order to enter the land of freedom and blessing. And that's what we're called to as Catholic men as well. So if you find yourself enslaved, you find yourself struggling, it's time to embrace prayer, fasting, and asceticism. And you might say, how does that work? Well, Exodus 90 gives you a roadmap, a 90-day roadmap of reflections, 
practices uh, and spiritual disciplines that help you find freedom in your spiritual life. So men, this year, Exodus 90 starts on January 1st. How perfect is that? That's 90 days before Easter. So you can start this year as a new man, a new you, and have the guide and the tools to do so. So I'd encourage you to head over to startmyexodus.com. I'm going to put that link in the show note and sign up today. God bless. Wow, this stuff is so great. I, I am so excited to be talking about these things. Just those first two has already taken us um, up to an hour. Unfortunately, we just don't have time in this episode to go through more. We do have other ones, though. We have why men will choose work instead of their family. We also have why um, men want their wives to be beautiful and to present themselves in that beauty. We also have the, you know, the conversations about a man cave and how men can stay super focused. And so we're going to come out with another episode where we go into these things um, because it's also important for our relationships with others especially the women in our lives. And so we thank you for listening. But we do get to head over to one of my favorite parts of the episode, which is uh, the question, where we get to take a question from a listener. So we do. Please send us your questions, podcast at catholicgentleman.com. If you made it this far in your episode, in this episode, thanks so much. Um, if you are a member of Catholic Gentleman Plus, be sure to make that note in there. We like to prioritize these questions as they come in. And um, and then we're going to uh, talk about it. So podcast at catholicgentleman.com. So today's question um, is a great one, very apropos for the season that we are in here, ending Advent. And so let's listen to that question, and then we will respond. My wife and I are expecting our first child, our daughter, to be born this coming Easter. And we were discussing traditions for observing Advent and Christmas in a better way than we had growing up. I grew up in a Southern Baptist household where Christmas was tied to the secular and the commercial realm, and my wife's family tried to change that growing up, but it always ended up falling short and landing in the pop culture realm and the cheesy realm. And we were wondering about your input and what you've done with your families and found in the history of the church for keeping Christ in Christmas, for celebrating the liturgical calendar and the saints' feast days in a way that helps your children to tie this into what is holy and good and the whole point for Christmas. I'd greatly appreciate your help, and I look forward to hearing about it. Awesome. So, yeah, traditions, family traditions. We have absolutely done some episodes on this, and I think it's such a great question because— we're looking at Advent, you know, feast days, they said, and Christmas. You know, what are the, there's there's so many traditions. I just want to start out by saying that, that there's so many traditions. It's so important, though, to um, to do these and, and actually talk to your, your wife about these things because they can build up the domestic church. They can build up the domestic church in a way that is so tangible, that is so lived, and that you and your children will look forward to year in and year out every year. I also want to start by saying there is a lot of these traditions that I have failed to practice, that I would love to practice. I've heard about them. You know, they're so culturally specific. Yeah, you know, I'm German. If you didn't notice, um, you're not watching on YouTube, <laughs> last name Heinen, you know, blonde hair, blue eye. Um, that being said, 
Uh, there's a ton of German traditions uh, that that I've I've thought were so fascinating and made so much sense, and I'd love to bring them into my family, but we just haven't been able to prioritize that. And so, to that, and in uh, defense of not practicing a thousand traditions, I'll go to <laughs> the fact of pick a few that you want to do with your spouse and stick with those and do those well, just like sacraments, right? Pick those that that you can do, that you want to do together, and that you can do well. So, um, for Advent, we brought it up on other episodes. Advent, we do the Advent wreath. We pay the um, Christmas novena um, as a family. You know, for Christmas, we do gifts in the morning. We do um, three gifts, uh, similar to Christ, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Um, we do that for each of our children. We celebrate Mass on Christmas Day, obviously. We talked about that at the beginning of this episode. And then we do celebrate um, the, uh, if you will, the, the 12 days of Christmas by bringing them up at dinner time. So we talk about them and we pray about them just as we do in Advent, we do the gospel. Um, but some of these other things like Jesse trees or different meals, right, that that are so traditional, like um, some people do chili on this date for this reason. Uh, I know Christmas Eve, it's in, in Polish tradition, they do no meat, right, on Christmas Eve. And there's a whole uh, dish that they make on, on Christmas Eve that has no meat in it, but then that traditions built up. And there's reasons why. So I encourage you for the end here, if you're interested in learning more about all of these, frankly, head over. I can drop it in the show notes. Um, I, I get no um, other than just passing along good websites. I don't get anything out of this. Head over to Catholic Culture. On catholicculture.org, they have a tab on the top of their um, website called Liturgical Year. And you can click on it, and then you can click on any of these seasons, and then they just list out. Sometimes, like, if you go to Christmas, which I did just prior to this episode, there's like a hundred different uh, family traditions. Again, though, just to wrap my part up is, is it bringing you and your family closer to Christ? then do it. If it has the potential to do that without removing or or um, basically um, causing way too much friction, then consider trying it out, right? And so, but that whole goal about all of this is to live in that communion with the mind and heart of the church and, and bring ourselves and our family closer to Christ. So um, those are my thoughts when I hear that question. Sam, I'll pass that over to you and get your thoughts. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, Definitely agree with everything you said. I would also say if you have a strong cultural tradition, like you are German or you are Italian or Mexican or whatever, like embrace your own cultural traditions because that's it's a huge blessing, I think, to have that that ethnic identity. But a lot of us are just kind of like mixed and like, no, we're just kind of American, like don't really know where we came from. And it's kind of a smorgasbord of, you know, we can draw from any culture we want. Um, but, you know, for us, a few things we do. One is we uh, wrap books uh, for we have some, a bunch of beautiful kids books for Advent and Christmas. We wrap them, um, 25 of them and one for each day. We open one and then the kids, are they look forward to that. My wife's also made a beautiful felt Advent calendar that's just incredible. And we like hang an ornament on there every day. Um, there's also some beautiful traditional prayers for blessing in Advent or Advent wreath if you have yep. one of those. So look up those traditional blessing prayers for your Advent wreath. So as you light those, there's a specific prayer you can pray every day. And there's like a blessing at the beginning when you uh, you can sprinkle holy water on your Advent wreath and things. And those are really cool. Um, 
And and so for a lot of it, uh, for for us, it comes down to just marking the time until Christmas. And our kids really get into that. They look forward to opening those advent calendars and things like that. Um, but also, uh, lastly, um, we have a little book of beautiful kids stories about like the animals at Christmas and like the journey of Mary and Joseph to um Bethlehem and then like the birth of Christ and like and it's really cute it's totally fictionalized but it's like you know the the animals discover that something's happening like all of a nature is a kind of a buzz and you know with with uh what's happening in Bethlehem and so one by one the animals discover the baby Jesus and like the things that they encounter and the things they do to show him that he's loved and things like that and so we read those stories to the kids and and so it's a lot of uh, a lot of reading and preparation there, but the the kids uh, they do love it. It really always makes Advent special for us. So that's great, Devin. Any you guys, extra you guys put yeah. me to shame. I mean, you just no. put me to shame. Uh, my well, there's five my, more that I was going to mention. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> my children are a little bit older. One thing I will say that yeah. we do that I really love is on Christmas morning, we we take baby Jesus and we process as a family singing, Oh, come let us adore him and placing him in the manger. And that's just a, it's a tradition of our family. Um, we do it every year and it's a beautiful moment. And then we celebrate that is after that point, then we celebrate. And, um, and I think that the main thing here is family memories that are warm you know, that involve the faith, like if, if it's the feast of the Immaculate Conception, or if it's the yeah. feast of St. Lucy or whatever the feast is that you're celebrating that and you're, and you create these traditions that the kids remember, they're not going to want to distance themselves from the faith because they don't yeah. want to lose those traditions. They're a connection, connecting point. And I can tell you that it's traditions and things like that. Just the blesses. So Lord, and these, I guess, prayer that my family pathetically prayed before dinner is actually I saw a woman doing it after I was, I was drunk all night. I was at a Wendy's working off a hangover and my life was a mess. I was out of control. And I saw this little 40 year old lady just make the side of the crossover and boom, I was back at my family dinner table as a kid. And I saw my dad, my mom. And I was, I remember saying, I want that again, family traditions and memory can just bring our children back to the faith if they lose it. So yeah. these are big deal. This is a big deal. Those 25 books is a big deal too, but <laughs> family yeah. traditions are so important. I think that's so cool. I really appreciate you mentioning that because I'll just add um, something my wife and I had to do to better prioritize as we're having many kids and trying to build these traditions like you're talking about here is actually come out with a liturgical calendar in which we marked those feast days that we wanted to celebrate. So this is on a top uh, level, but the Feast of the Immaculate Conception is our, our family feast day. And we make sure that um, everyone knows that. We're doing, obviously, the, generally the reconsecration to Our Lady and three to 33 days building up to it. My wife and I are both consecrated, consecrated our family, everything. And so that's such a big uh, feast day for us. And it's a celebration throughout the day. And um, and those are those are helpful. And Devin, I love that thought. It's something that uh, I just never put myself in, in the future there. But yeah, absolutely. I can think about all the little traditions 
that uh, my parents did. And I want those, <laughs> you know, uh, to put those forth in my um, my house. So yeah, the, what a lasting effect that they have and, yeah. and what a connection and a very lived connection. We are incarnational beings and that is why our faith is so beautiful. So it's such a lived connection to the faith that people can um, tangibly experience, witness, see, feel so great. Yes. Well, thank you. So thanks for the question. If you have other ones, definitely head over podcast at catholicgentleman.com. Shoot us an email. We uh, look forward to reading them and maybe one of them will come up on one of these episodes. So the last part of the episode that we always like to talk about is putting on the new man. This is the challenge every week. I got a couple of great comments from uh, last week's challenge and uh, and men who were looking for, you know, some answers and looking, you know, for some clarity on things. And it was really great. And I just love hearing that. I love that we can provide these uh, to men and give the you guys tangible ways to to grow in holiness and actually experience it, right? Because we do need these markers in life, these little guideposts that we're utilizing to help us progress forward in virtue and in the faith. So um, today's challenge, Devin, you're always so great at um, bringing them up and and directing them. So if you wouldn't mind, I'd love to hear this week's challenge. So we've talked about a lot in this podcast. Um, and I think that the two points that we brought up in this one are really important. Authentic God-given needs of physical intimacy and respect for the man. And so my challenge to you, oh man, is to share this podcast with your wife or with your fiance or with your female friend that you know, and then pray for that female and then circle back and say, hey, what did you think about that? Let's talk about some of those tough points because I think it's, it's, you know, it's great that we're learning this. It's great that we're discussing this, but if we kind of keep it encapsulated, it really doesn't do us much good. So this is where we kind of, you know, we, 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 we develop a little bit of courage as a man in sharing this with a woman. And I'm telling you what, just having her listen to some of this, she probably inside, if she's not going to miss, she'd be like, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. And so this is to your benefit. It's not just for us to get more likes, hits, and fans and followers, but that would be nice. But yeah. no, seriously, <laughs> and, and at altruistic level, weird. We want this message to get out to the women out there so that it can help you as men in your relationship, in your marriages, and in your courting. Yeah. No, thank you, Devin. And I would encourage you men to do just that, um, to go ahead and Pick somebody in your life um, that you think needs to hear this or would be helpful if you hear it, but then follow it up with that dialogue afterwards, right? It really is something that helps all of us grow in holiness and all of us who are pursuing the crown, you know, the pearl of great price, that we we need each other and we need these understandings, which is why we're so blessed to be able to bring them. And as as you know, Devin was saying, those are nice things, but we do, we keep on coming to this because it's such a joy to be able to provide to men and and to be able to dialogue about this ourselves, right? And every week in preparation for this, I'm just reminded of, of the joy of being Catholic, as well as the um, tools that we have, as well as my ability to, or inability <laughs> to use them <laughs> successfully and uh, my need for prayer. And so it's, it's been such a blessing. So Sam, any final thoughts? Nope. I think we've covered it. I think we have. So we're going to come out with another episode on other things that uh, women do not understand about men since we didn't get to go through them all today. Um, but thank you for listening. Thanks for joining us. And as we end each of our episodes, be a man, be a saint.